Episode 16, The Paul George Show welcomes Father Leo Paralinghug. We're making sure that as there is a theology of the body, that there is a logic of God for the body, there is a logic of God for food. And if you think deeply about our experiences as Catholics, it helps to understand why Jesus even becomes food. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show, talking food theology, family dinner, and bud birds. A co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media, here's your host, Paul George. Great to be with you today. Uh, got a wonderful show today. Wonderful guests coming on later on. Father Leo, paddling hug, and got Casey Trawhaw in studio. Well, you got about sixty percent of Casey Trawhaw in the studio. Yeah, you sound horrible, man. You've been having a cold for like a month. For like three months. Yeah, seriously. It's like you know we have one taste of what a winter is down here in the south, which is like forty degrees, and you get sick for a month. No, 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 no. That's not the problem. See, if we had three months of 40 degrees, it would be fine. So consistency. Consistency right. is the key. Louisiana is fickle. No, I mean, I, it's bad. I mean, one day it's 80, the next day it's 40, and the next day it's 80 again, without yeah. a doubt. And, and then, then it's raining. And and yeah. My body does not know what to do. Right. And I'm sure people who are listening who are like in the frozen tundra up north are like, I really don't feel sorry for you it, you know, at all. I'm pretty sure anybody listening to the sound of my voice right now feels sorry for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, the the year is kind of coming to a close, Casey. Um, last show for the year, launch back up January. You know, the holidays are here. Christmas is approaching or is here, uh, depending on when you're tuning in to, uh, to the show. And uh, always this time of year, uh, people start thinking about, setting goals, resolutions for mm-hmm. the new year. Are you a goal setter? Are you a re- never, resolution guy? Never have been. Never have I been. Have, I have res- resolutions in the middle of the year, you know, but like it's never, I'd never wait till the end of the year and say, start in January. This is it. If I'm going to start something, I have to do it the next morning or it never gets done. So can I give you a resolution? You got a resolution for For, me? for you. For me. Yeah. Okay. Something that I need to do. Yeah. Shave that beard. No? I, I don't know if I've ever seen your baby face. How could you do such a thing? How could you say such a thing to me? <laughs> if I shave, then I might look a little bit like you. That, well, that's true. You don't have a square of a, a, a jaw as me. So anyway, I, I, I do set some goals, uh, usually of the year. I don't know how many I reach. Some of, I think I've been setting a couple of goals that have been goals for like 10 years and they've yet to be reached. This decade, I am going to. Right, exactly. But but this is when, when people do it. I, was, I saw this picture of... <laughs> Uh, a gym like a like a workout gym parking mm-hmm. lot, you know, and it had there were no cars in the parking lot. It was December thirtieth, <laughs> and then you know the first week of January the parking lot was full, and then the third week of January it's back empty. It, it's back empty. So anyway, uh, I was looking at some of the uh, <clears throat> the the funny some some people did some funny resolutions for uh, for uh, the new year. One guy said he's going to finish his chapstick all the way. never gonna happen never gonna happen never gonna reset goal um one person said he wants to grow a plant okay i guess i I don't even know sure yeah separate your colors from your whites do you wash clothes 
Yeah, but no. That'll never happen. I pile them all together. My wife wants to absolutely kill me. Um, don't send a text to someone sitting in the room next to you. I, I don't do that. You don't do that? Do you? No. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Well, your your rooms tend to be a lot bigger than mine, so you're at these huge conferences. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, these are funny. Like... uh. Uh, there were some tweets that came out about people's uh, New Year's resolutions, um, which are funny. Um, so someone said, uh, he wants to increase my relationship status from forever alone to slightly desperate. <laughs> and somebody put that on Twitter. That, that was somebody my age. That was definitely a millennial. Um, so, yeah. So, what, what I love about these has been the... Uh, have you seen these memes as the beginning of 2016 right. to the end of 2016? Because it's been a universally terrible year. Right. Those are funny. Yep. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know if you're a, a resolution person, but you know one of the things, um, you know, we're going to have Father Leo on the show later and uh, talk about some cool things. Um, if you've never met Father Leo, Paddling Hug, Grace Before Meals, it's sort of his mission is to sort of challenge people to slow down a little bit and gather around a table and he simplifies like the message. And I think a lot of times when we think about setting goals or resolutions for the new years, we make it way too complicated. Okay. We try to do way too much. So it's like, let me get a sheet. Let me do all these things. And instead of losing five pounds, you know, we set a goal for like 50 pounds or, you know, we want, you know, instead of writing a blog, we want to write a book and, you know, and, you know, we want to run this fast. And I think a lot of times where people fail in their goal setting or their resolution setting is that they set the goals either too many or unrealistic. Well, as you say this, I'm thinking about the fact that in the Catholic New Year of Advent or even in Lent, that's when I make my resolutions, my, my Catholic resolutions. And you're right, I always tend to do that. Okay, so did you set any Catholic resolutions as you began the liturgical new year. Yeah. Like what? Like I wanted to go to mass three times a week. I wanted to make at least two of the lights on for you confessions. Down here in Louisiana, we have a, um, I don't know if it's just Louisiana, but in the Diocese of Lafayette anyway, they do a thing to where every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8. They offer confession. Everywhere. Right. Um, and so I want to make at least two of those. So is your goal to go to confession, to sin in between so then you can go again? No, but what I've found, and this is after talking to some people, is that if you're more intentional about going to confession at a more frequent rate, you're able to better examine your conscience about the things that normally just slip through the cracks. Right. So at the end of the show, I'm going to kind of sum things up with goal setting. But I think for me, like, so every year I'll set a spiritual goals, professional goals or work goals, family goals. and But within that, I, I always try to set a reachable goal. Because I think what happens is if we don't reach a goal, we quit. We feel like we're failures. I think a lot of times people set unrealistic standards for what they can do. Uh, so whether it's with getting healthy or you know working different or, or reaching some professional goals or goals for your family. I, I've been having a goal for our family to go on a mission trip for five years. That, that's a big goal. Like that's hard to do, to go out of the country, your whole family. Well, this next year, that goal is probably going to happen finally. But one of the simple goals that I have as a family is that, you know, we pray together at least this certain amount of times a week. And then we have, you know, 
meals together a certain amount of time. Those are reachable goals that we feel like if we can do those things, then that's a good thing. But then we have a big goal. So, I'll, you know, I usually set like a big goal and an achievable goal. So if you want to be like Paul George, set goals. But I, no, I no, 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 what I'm saying, but, but, but the spiritual goals I think are the most important. Right. Which is interesting because, you know, the Advent season starts the new year. And that's really when we should start, you know, spiritual goals. And, and like you, we haven't even talked about this is, you know, I, I need, I know that I need to go to mass more and I am crazy and silly for not right. Like for just thinking, I just need to go to mass on Sundays. And certainly that, that, uh, that is, that is required, but Jesus is fully present in the Eucharist every day at mass. And, and I should make more of an effort. Like I need to stretch myself spiritually to pray more and to visit the sacraments more. It's mind boggling that we don't. Like logically, like we know what it is. Yeah. And I, and I know we're busy and I know we have a lot of time and I'm just as challenged by it as well, you know? And so it's just interesting. You know, one of the things, uh, our, our church is just amazing. It's crazy. But, but one of the things I'm blown away by is, so we just celebrated the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Right. Okay. This, that whole miracle of Guadalupe just absolutely blows my mind. And it, if you're a believer, unbeliever, Catholic, non-Catholic, you need to read about this miracle, Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe, because it's it's crazy what happened there. I have to veer off. Did you see a certain unnamed high-profile politician went before uh, before the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and asked, who painted it? No, I did not see that. That is amazing. <laughs> That's hysterical. So anyway, you know, I was thinking about this miracle, Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? Uh, and how how miraculous and fascinating uh, our faith is. Someone told me that uh, uh, they were going to visit the relic of St. John Bergman. It was his heart, his mm -hmm. whole heart, Casey. Is St. John Bergman's heart incorrupt? I, I don't know, but, but I don't know what a corruptible heart looks like either. Right, it I seems know. like it would shrivel up. Uh, but there's just this, all these miracles and, and things that I think that if we begin to spiritually open up our hearts and minds and, and, and allow God to, to, to revive our faith, there's so much there at our fingertips that I think oftentimes we just, we just kind of like pass over, you know? But no place to start like the present. Why wait till the new year? Why not just do it tomorrow? That's what I, I don't get about the whole new year resolution thing. I don't either. If I make something two weeks out, it's never going to happen. Right. But if I can start on Saturday, maybe it's, there's a chance. Not much of a chance, but a I know. chance. Well, life's a marathon, man. It's not a sprint. And I think what happens is people want, it, people want things immediately. They want it now. When they don't get it, they quit. And that's just not what our life's like. That's not what faith is like. And it's a struggle and, it, and it's work and it takes time. And then in this modern age where we can literally, while I'm sitting down talking to you, I can book a trip to Australia, do everything online in about five minutes, right? Everything at my fingertips. We want it all right now. And the reality is that just not, that's just not how the human condition is, human heart. So anyway. Touche. Touche. So great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. Come back and have Father Leo, Pat Lankard, and Grace before meals. It's Paul George. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. We'll hear from our guest, Father Leo Padalingho. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Paul George here in studio, Casey Traha, and our wonderful guest today, which I'm super excited about, Father Leo from Grace Before Meals. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know you're busy traveling all over the universe. Uh, and you're home for a couple of days. So, uh, I thought I'd get you on the show. So, uh, where are you off to next? Well, I travel a lot as part of my mission and ministry, and I will be in Arizona doing some events for Bene Place, a beautiful organization to help people who are dying and help them to have delicious meals with their families, lasting meals and lasting memories. And then, uh, I travel around with as you know, as you do yourself, a lot of speaking opportunities and then with my show, with filming, and then radio. So it's it's kind of all over the place. I know you are all over. And the last time we were together, um, I think it was Milwaukee, but we had a blast. So I'm talking to um, Father Leo, gracebeforemeals.com, at Cooking Priest. You're on EWTN uh, with your show. Uh, You got tons of stuff going on. Uh, You got a book out. But anyway, uh, Father, so you, so you cook and, and you do a lot of these cooking shows. Uh, has there ever been a time in one of the cooking shows where something just absolutely maybe went wrong? It was hysterical. It was unplanned. No, everything I do, Paul, is perfect. So <laughs> the, uh, there, there are no troubles Like your cute little when you're face. on TV. <laughs> your cute little face is so perfect, Father. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, you know how people mess up in their own kitchen? Yeah. That's exactly what I do even on TV. And because we don't have the budget of a food network where every episode could cost upwards to $100,000 to make. Right. Not much uh, editing, know, huh? They can, they can edit till the wazoo. And that doesn't happen with a lower budget either YouTube channel or even on an international station like EWTN. Right. And so this <laughs> one time I was cooking what is – can I say this? Can I say the word butt? Yeah. Beer butt? Chicken. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just did it anyway. So, I don't want to sound like Beavis and Butthead, but that would beer, be even better. Chicken. <laughs> where I take a butt. can of beer and I basically insert it into the cavity of a chicken's behind yep. because that becomes the heating instrument and also a moistening. Yep, I said moist. Yeah, moistening da- instrument <laughs> in the chicken as it's roasting in the oven. Down. Well, down here in Louisiana, you know, we call that in, the bud bird. Well, there you go. So we had to change it to beer can chicken. Beer can but chicken. Obviously, we knew what was going on. And as I was pulling it out after it was cooked and, of course, so delicious, um, I looked right into the cameras. And again, this is EWT. And I said, now try explaining this one to you, your children's parents. And I pull out this can. And unfortunately, the, I don't think the camera crew or the producers were ready for a comment like that. They literally all just started burst out laughing, which caused me to laugh. And as I'm pulling this can out of this chicken's backside, the con- contents of the can is super hot because it's been in the oven for right. almost an hour and a half. Right. And it, it, I laughed. It shook. It spilled on me. And of course... I used a couple choice words because it was burning my hand off. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So that was one of those times where we had to do a retake, obviously. Had to do a retake. My hands are super red because it just got burned with the contents of boiling hot beer. Yeah. Which so- I quickly lick on my hands because no beer should go to waste. No beer but should it, go to waste. Absolutely. It was pretty bad, man, because they started laughing out loud and, and you know, I dare parents to try to explain this to their kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, like I said, down here, uh, we call that the bud bird, which Casey and I are trying really hard to get the show sponsored by a beer company. So maybe this is our end. <laughs> we, we will sh- with the beer company and maybe you should, we should say, uh, t- tell me what's the beer company. We'll, 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 we'll shove any beer can in a chicken's butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was that beer that I used on my show. We'll just tell them that. And, <laughs> but it was so ridiculous because it's, it's, it's not natural. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just not natural. The natural law. Pull it out. Yeah. Let that's, me tell you. So, so you and I go way back, Father, and uh, way before uh, you even started this movement really you could say of grace before meals but once it started it just took off where did the vision of this come from and and how did it get going from the backside of a chicken's butt yeah that's where it came right there no not at all (laughs) no it, it actually um in all seriousness it actually started as a result of september the 11th 2001 I was actually supposed to go to France on a pilgrimage, but all the flights were canceled, understandably so. And um, as a result, me and a few other priests, instead, after a very difficult and busy weekend of masses, we still had some time off. And so we went on a little retreat where I did the cooking. And some of the priests wanted to watch the Food Network, but I don't know if you remember for a few days, they just shut down the airwaves, and the Food Network just had a simple sign that said, in light of the nation's tragedy, we encourage families just to cook together and eat together, something mm. along those lines. Wow. And, and, and it was then that a few priests said, well, then we'll watch Leo cook. And then the show idea kicked in of, oh, Father Leo should have a show where he can cook about food, faith, and family, and and, and honestly, I just thought that it was a silly idea and a joke, but the word kept spreading organically to mm. the point where people started to hear it, take it a little bit more seriously. And from there, the movement of gracebeforemeals.com, which is just to bring families back around the dinner table, has developed into a Eucharistic focus. Mm. And we're now developing what is understood as the theology of food. where we're making sure that as there is a theology of the body, that there is a logic of God for the body, there is a logic of God for food. And if you think deeply about our experiences as Catholics, it helps to understand why Jesus even becomes food. I mean, he could become anything he wants. He chose to reveal himself in a simple piece of bread, and a drop of wine. Yep, absolutely. So if you're listening in, you're tuning in, I'm talking to Father Leo, at cooking, at cooking underscore priest, Twitter, Instagram, gracebeforemeals.com. This is a fascinating movement. And I know when my wife and I got married, Father, one of the non-negotiables that we decided together is that when we were going to have kids, we were going to have meals around the table. And we didn't know the theology yet, but we just knew it was important. And as we've 
certainly grown in our faith and and as our family and and there's resources of of like what you provide we understand that there's a deeper meaning of a family coming around the table there's a theology that happens there what is it you're really trying to communicate father well there's unfortunately several things we're trying to communicate but we can only do them in a bite-sizable way Hmm. uh, because that's the only way we can digest our faith i hope you're hearing the food and faith connections but what you said is so beautiful, because that's kind of one of the reasons why I wrote another book called Spicing Up Married Life. Mm. When a couple enters into a communion of persons, they literally have the responsibility of feeding each other with themselves. That's the conjugal act. That's, that's literally what God does to us in the Eucharist. Mm. He enters into our hunger. Mm. And what you and your wife are hungering for is each other's love. Right. And so when you made the conscious effort to feed your children, it's because deep in you, God created a hunger for the communion of persons, calling the family around the dinner table, which just happens to be the image of the Holy Trinity. This is deep stuff. I get it. But if you notice, the image of the Trinity is three divine persons sitting around the dinner table as one family. Mm. What you're trying to do in your family, Paul, you and your wife, are you are inviting your children into the Trinitarian life. Right. I mean, and you're thinking, oh my God, that's over Hamburger Helper. Are you kidding me? Right. right. Nope. That's exactly what Hamburger Helper can do. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you're eating. And I, and, and I think this is part of your mission is to get families around the table because you understand that, that families that eat together stay together and, and there's an importance that happens around food. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it is the power of food. And that's why Jesus became it. It is the one thing in this world that brings people together. Mm. And if people don't eat with other people, then they truly become the loners. They become the golems. That's exactly what the devil wants for us not to enter into communion with each other. Like if world leaders, honestly, if they would just shut up and eat together, I bet you we'll be able to have world peace. Yeah. But between now and then, they choose not to invite each other to the dinner table, or they don't accept invitations to their enemy's dinner table. Mm. But that's just contrary to who Jesus is. Yep. He wants to even invite his enemies Absolutely. to the wedding banquet. Yeah, he multiplied food so everybody could share in it, and he became food himself, as you said. What, you know, it's interesting with this growth and movement of Grace Before Meals, and you're all over the, the country and the world and on TV uh, your heart has kind of steered towards starting this foundation and uh, to help you know the, those less in need. And when we come back, Father, I want to talk about what God is doing with this foundation. We've got Father Leo, this is Paul George Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to The Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. More from our guest, Father Leo Padalinghug. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. If you're just tuning in, I got Father Leo Padalinghug. How you like that pronunciation of uh, your last name? It was, it was so Filipino, because <laughs> you are a short little Filipino man, too. I can feel it inside of you. There is one. Uh, when you and I are together, it's like Mutt and Jeff, man. I'm like... I'm it's like the Jolly so Green Giant, and you're like this like Ninja Turtle. The hyper yipping dog. <laughs> you're a Ninja Turtle, man. <laughs> no, I, what I love about that, uh, Paul, is when we are together, we are like brothers. Yeah. And yeah. why? Because we literally have his blood running through our veins. Yeah. We are blood brothers and sisters if we participate in this divine meal, which is what Jesus wants for everybody, to be part of the heavenly banquet. And so the only people who can get there are family. I know I sound like the Olive Garden commercial, but they're not an official sponsor, so I'm not mentioning them. Well, we need official sponsors. I need a beer sponsor, (laughs) and and I'll shove cans and chicken butts all I want (laughs) for that sponsorship. That'll get you off Catholic Radio. Well, in our last segment... um, we, we have this thing called six pack of questions and we have like this, you know, this sound of like a beer popping open. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so before we get into this, um, this vision of your foundation, what, what's in this crazy busy world for families, what is one encouragement you would, you would give families father? I would say to prioritize the family meal hmm. in my new book, which is called saving families. And the subtitle is, who is the superhero in yours? And the word super has a correcting little mark because instead of one P, we're adding two P's. Nice. Who's the superhero in yours? We want to remind families that if the family meal is not a priority, then family time is seriously diminished. Yep. There is no other time where formation can occur hmm. than at the dinner table, which is why Jesus himself in the scriptures always invited himself or invited others to his table. And that's why we started the Table Foundation. And the tagline is elevating culture and family life one meal at a time. I love that. So so you have this movement and ministry of grace before meals. How did the foundation piece come, come about, this nonprofit organization to help people? started out because I knew that we, as Grace Before Meals, didn't act as a business. We're not a business. We're just a movement. But it takes money to right. do that. Right. And so the idea is, if any money is made beyond what we need, I don't want to just give it away to anybody. Mm-hmm. I want to give it to help further our cause. Right. And so we started this charitable group, which really seeks to serve people outside of the Grace Before Meals movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we really want to enter into people's regular lives. So one of, for example, one event we did was to host a national and even international gathering of people in the food, beverage, and hospitality industry and to celebrate their advocation and work with food. Hmm. You know, the church has the white mask for doctors, the red mask for lawyers, the blue mask for cops and firefighters, yep, yep. but there's nothing to celebrate the food and hospitality industry until now. 
for our organization, for the first time in America's history, offered the Olive Mass. I love it. And that was actually in St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans. Wow. And we hope to grow that nationally. We had literally chefs from around the world come for this event. Wow. That's in my part of the country, too. So, which is, you know, obviously you've traveled down in Louisiana and you understand the food culture here. Um, so it was held at the cathedral. There was a mass um, that was said, and, and chefs and cooks showed up. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it was really uh, an amazing thing. The tagline for the Olive Mass was celebrating food and blessing the hands that serve it. Hmm. You know, these are people who form our culture, and they're always behind the scenes. And unfortunately, they are truly unspoken heroes, and we don't give them enough credit while at the same time neglecting their spiritual life right. because they can't even get to church on the weekend. And while we're celebrating, they're slaving. Hmm. And we need to do something as a church to show that we exist to serve them, yep. not to be served by them, but to serve them. You know, like when a priest goes into a restaurant and he becomes friends with a chef, he can always get a free meal out of it or at least a drink or an appetizer for free. I don't want to be that priest. What can I do to help that chef, those workers, the front of the house or even the dishwasher in the back? How can I be a presence of Christ for them? That's awesome. What a great ministry. So, so with the foundation, it's called the Table Foundation. You can find it at thetablefoundation.org. Um, what's its main mission in a sense? Like where do you want to see some of these funds funneled to help people. Yeah, so we hope to establish a headquarters where we can um, where we can do things to help poor families. Mm. You know, we could easily give some of our money to a soup kitchen. Right. But we want to do more than that. We want to improve that soup kitchen's menu to create healthier food, mm. to train the volunteers to be more companions as opposed to just slopping some food on the plate like an assembly line. Right. We want to create food that even poor people can take away with them. We want to teach families how to have uh, m more delicious and healthy meals, even on a low budget. We want to tap into the food and beverage hospitality because they have the abilities and the talent to do amazing things to feed people in more dynamic ways, especially poor people. And then, you know, with the olive mass, we want to make sure that chefs, and, you know, that we know of celebrity chefs, but we forget the hometown cook. Mm. We, we want to let them know that they have a very lofty vocation. So we just simply want to put the church back into the food scene because we're not there. And, and it's a real shame because... <laughs> then they begin to see a separation between the spiritual food of communion at church with the food that they're eating at the home or restaurant. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we talk about here on the show, Casey and I, is, is how the church has always been a part of transform, transforming culture through art, through different things. And part of culture is food. I mean, that's one of the major things of culture is food. So it is actually the most important thing because it defines who you are as a people, the food celebrations, the food gatherings, how you acquire the food. It's about the livelihood. And eventually, Paul, 
um, we want to start a restaurant group that is truly charitable and, and fundamentally philanthropic. We want to call it the Sinners and Saints Restaurant Group, which that. will tie all of these professional chefs, open up restaurants to give back to communities, including uh, a restaurant concept that I have. It's called the Red Light. And I want to put this Red Light restaurant in a red light district, hire former prostitutes as servers and as dishwashers and as cooks. But the red light in the restaurant will literally be the little red light of the confessional. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah. That's awesome. We have, we have a priest down here who bought an ambulance and turned it into a mobile confessional. And, uh, that is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's like you know spiritual care. You know, bringing it to the people. He said, and and this is exactly what you're talking about with food, with culture, is that you engage into the culture, and that's where transformation begins to happen. Yeah, and for me, it doesn't have to be so as what some would call heavy-handed force-feeding Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it about catechesis. I want to make this about evangelization, which is simply presenting the good news. Right. You know, when Jesus came among us and just ate with people, he didn't come heavy-handed and start shoving faith down people's throat. He just, first of all, developed a relationship with them. Hmm. And then, little by little, bite-sized pieces at a time, he revealed the divine truths of God, who is a shepherd who has a responsibility to feed the flock. Yep. And so, for me, food simply is a vehicle to a relationship, and that relationship will ultimately lead to one with God in heaven. Exactly. And we see Jesus model this in and throughout Scripture. You know, he constantly is gathering with the disciples to eat or on, you know, hillside uh, multiplying bread and fish for people to gather and, and share food together. You know, and this is where within that, that relational work was food. And then a conversation yeah. began, and the transformation, evangelization began to happen. It just takes faith the size of a mustard seed. And it requires us to just see how Jesus, the biggest foodie of all, was born in Bethlehem, a town in Aramaic that means house of bread. Hmm. In Arabic, the word Bethlehem means house of meat. And he was placed in a manger which is simply a Latin derivative of the verb to eat. This is deep stuff that we can only understand if we're willing to do what Jesus said in order to get into heaven. Did you feed? Did you give food, drink to the thirsty? Those are the first of the corporal works of mercy. It's food. That's awesome. Food. That's awesome. So, uh, Father Leo, paddling hug. You can uh, find it at the Table Foundation dot org gracebeforemeals.com at cooking underscore priest father leo you're awesome man we're we got to do this again can we do it absolutely but this time it'll have to be live and with a beer uh coming out of a chicken <laughs> dude i can cook i'm I, I love to cook so anytime <laughs> i'm i'm cajun at heart so i it cooking comes naturally <laughs> that is true that's very true down in Louisiana, you all take food to a contact sport level. Absolutely. And for that reason, we started our Olive Mass in the great state of Louisiana. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Father Leo. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Peace to you all. All right. God bless.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Bang, man. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Father Leo, Paddling Hog, that was a good interview. He's great. Yeah. He's so funny. I've heard him on the radio before. He's on uh, The Catholic Guy a lot, and he has his own show on EWTN, but he's hilarious. Yeah, so Grace Before Meals and the Table Foundation. He's doing great work. Uh, I love him to death. So anyway, man, uh, you got a six-pack of questions or what? I do. Six-pack of questions. All right, your first question. He, he talked about the uh, the beer can chicken, which is kind of a, a grill-out meal. I mean, I know you, you cook it in an oven and everything, but that, that's kind of a barbecue type. Yep. Anyway, yep. so what is what do you think the best grill-out meal is? Like, if you got people over for the barbecue, what are you doing? Well, there's a difference between grilling, what, what I've learned, okay? There's a difference between grilling and barbecuing. Okay, so grilling is like your your gas grill outside that you throw, like, chicken breast on or, you know, something quicker. And then there's barbecuing where it takes longer. You know, mm-hmm. like you barbecue a brisket or you smoke it or you, yeah. you know, cook long, long time. So... Depending on how much time you have, depending on what you're going to cook. But if I have an all-day affair where mm-hmm. I can light the pit. That type of thing. And really make, you know, a, you know smoke a, a, a pork roast or butt, since we're on a butt theme, uh, and a brisket, that would be phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so a, so I usually go, throw steaks on the grill or, on, or chicken breasts on the grill. I'm going to go a little out of left field. I do like a bacon wrapped backstrap myself oh that's good yeah anything with bacon by the way <laughs> so anything with bacon all right question number two who's your favorite ninja turtle i don't know any of the names what no they're the renaissance artists so, this I mean, is just name way, a renaissance artist this is this is during your time really yeah yeah i don't i don't know any of the names i'm, I'm gonna tell you who and your I, favorite one is i always had a hard time thinking turtles who are ninjas. It just never made sense to and me. And mutants. But you need to get on that train. So your favorite is uh, Michelangelo. Just letting you know. Mikey. Okay. Mikey. You'll, you'll know this next time you watch it. Okay. So what is the best food you've ever eaten outside of Louisiana? Wow. The best food I've ever eaten outside of Louisiana. Uh, it wasn't Australia. The food was okay. I ate some kangaroo, but not... Oh, no. We, we've had a kangaroo theme going on in this show. <laughs> anyway, uh, Italy. Okay. Yeah, Italy. Because, you know, a lot of what they cook there, at least in the restaurants, is very fresh. So it's not, you know, this frozen food that they're doing, whatever. It's very fresh food. So you could taste the difference. Everything's homemade, at least in a lot of the restaurants. And just for me, it was just a completely different experience mm-hmm. of food and so uh yeah that that was that was really good i've got to say father leo can probably attest to this but i've had some pizza in new york yep that's awesome yeah that's that's good stuff and and really uh food does define culture and one of the things about south louisiana is that we're really defined by the food we have we're really good food and really culture what i find is that traveling around the country now there's not a lot of culture left so when you find pockets of culture uh whether it be you know you know, different cultures of, you know, like in New York pizza or it's Southwest, there's Tex-Mex or Mexican food and it's authentic. It's usually just really good. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've been running your mouth about how good of a cook you are on the show. So I never what? said how good of a cook I am. I just said I cook. All right. So what, what is, 
your best dish? Like, what is Paul George famous for? Oh my gosh, man! Well, I could just tell you, like for Christmas, I'm gonna cook uh, bacon wrapped duck breast, which bacon, right? Bacon, which is gonna be good, stuffed with jalapenos and cream cheese. They they will knock your socks off. Uh, and with as an appetizer with a smoked uh, pork roast uh, on the pit all day long with dirty rice or rice dressing, depending on what you call. So I'm, I'm going to do all that. So I don't know if I have a specialty. I could, I just know that when I cook something, it's going to be good. Right. You drool in a little bit. Wipe your face. All right. It's, it's, the, so. it's, the, it's the bacon, man. <laughs> all right. I'm going to switch gears a little bit off of food. So what is one of the funniest memories you have with Father Leo Padalinghug? Okay. So I didn't get to share this story, actually, because um, we didn't have a lot of time with him. So I was speaking at a conference before anybody knew who Father Leo was. Okay, speaking at this big youth conference, and this kid runs up to me at like one of the gatherings, you know, there's music playing and everybody's gathering in. And he comes up to me and he says, we have a priest in our group who can break dance. And I said, no way, there's no way. And he says, I swear there's this priest in our group who can break dance. Well, Father Leo was a chaperone. He was a young priest and he had brought a group from wherever he was living, I think in Baltimore. And this is long before he's doing what he's doing now. And so... I, on the microphone, said, you know, there's a priest in that group over there that can break dance. Would you come up? And he came up and lit it up on stage. I'm talking about everybody was on their feet cheering. You know how you spin on your back and you like do all that turtle. stuff? Like a ninja turtle. He was literally break dancing, like, like real break dancing. That's and, awesome. And for someone who's, who's big like me, who cannot break dance, I was just really impressed. Yeah, it was not a dance battle. It was no. It was an exhibition. Yeah, yeah. He put on a show, and that's what I knew. I was like, "We got to get this guy like at these conferences, speaking, and with these kids." And, and I kind of helped him get into like the speaking network. That's neat. My claim to fame. Yeah. There you go. Your claim to fame is through other people. I like it. All right. Last question. I got a serious one for you. So yeah. you mentioned how you made it a point to get your family around the table. Mm -hmm. What are some tips? that we could have for practically doing that? Yep. I mean, that's a good question, and I think it's so important. And Father Leo, you know, he hit on it. I mean, the, the, what happens around the table um, for families is so important. And what you find today is that many people don't slow down enough uh, to, to have meals together. And the importance of those meals, of sharing, of talking, uh, the theology, the catechesis that happens around the table, uh, the interaction is so important. And look, I know every parent out there is thinking, what, well, we're busy, you know? And I know every parent out there thinks that their kid's going to be a professional artist, a musician, athlete. And look, I'm not a dream stealer, okay? I just know this, that an hour sitting down together as a family is not going to steal your kid's dreams away from them, right? So what we need to do as people and particularly as parents, as we're leading our family, is we need to take our time back. We need to claim it back. And so it's actually one of the main goals and challenges that I have uh, for people. As you're setting your goals and resolutions for 2017, uh, here, here's the main thing. Simplify it. Uh, take your calendar back. So, Casey, if you want to know something about me, okay, and you don't know me, there's two ways that you can find out about me, or three. Uh, you can look at my calendar. You can look at my bank statements. So you can see what, what I like to spend my money on. 
and where do I spend my time? And you, you could probably come back and be like, I kind of know a lot about you, mm -hmm. right? And our calendars determine really who we are. And what happens is other people really define our calendars, our work, our families, our extended families, our friends. We need to take ownership of our time because it's the one thing that you never get back, literally. What you spend your time on, you never get that time back unless it's invested in a person. And the people that we're called to invest our time in, first and foremost, is our families. And I think what Father Leo is saying is true. One of the greatest ways tips or keys that we can do that is simply sit down for a meal together. You don't have to cook an extravagant meal. It can be hamburger helper. It's not about how good the meal is as much as how good the company is, right? So as a family, we try to sit down for a meal most, most nights of the week. And look, I, I have kids that are doing all sorts of things and activities and they have lives and they, they have events and they have all those things. And certainly I understand that, but we can at least sit down and have have a meal together, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I'm definitely noticing a theme just producing this show. You've had any Hickman on who's had a community meal, right? In his in his own group of people, that's made a huge impact. Chris Faddis yep. started Benny Plates. His his life is is food to give life to others. It's, it's crazy. And then now Father Leo Palinghug, who is known as the cooking priest. Yep. Um, yeah. You, you tend to associate with people that, that love food. Well, hopefully I'll get reason. free food out of it. I'm still looking for a beer sponsor for the show. But anyway, so, so if you want to set a goal for the new year and you want a resolution, take your time back. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that can help you take your time back is actually spending time in prayer. And I remember a quote from Mother Teresa as her, her work was getting more and more busy. Her religious order was growing more and more. And the sisters kept saying, Sisters, there's no way that we can do all the work that's in front of us. Um, and she says, the more work we have, the more we'll pray. So actually, they spent more time in prayer with the more work they had. And God increased their work because they took the effort and the time to pray more. So we can center our lives in prayer and around the Eucharist, maybe going to Mass more. That's going to help us kind of solidify what the rest of our time looks like. Trust me, it, it, it just happens that way. God orders our time, and the way that he can order our time for our family and prioritize is absolutely fascinating. So that's my encouragement for this next year. And it's been great having this show. I'm excited about our guests uh, for the future. But uh, So the show's on podcast. It's on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Uh, you can go to iTunes, search Paul George Show. You can share the show. So I want to encourage you to share the show uh, on social media, uh, all over, let people listen to the show. You can go to the website, paulgeorge.la. You can listen to the show there. Uh, you can share it from there. And really want to get people, Casey, uh, behind the show because I think as we move forward, uh, it's just going to be a good show for people to, to help kind of focus them in on their yeah. faith. And keep your eyes out. One of the things that I want to try in the new year actually is to bring the show live on Facebook so people can watch us making the show. Let's go live. Yeah. So if you want that to happen, uh, let share. us know. So we're going to need some some feedback on Twitter, on Facebook. Yep. Uh, give us some questions, and hopefully we can bring the show live in 2017. Awesome. Well, have a great new year, and we'll be back soon. It's the Paul George Show. God bless. God bless.